Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I need From Fool Global Headquarters, this is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Chris Hill, and I'm joined by Motley Fool senior analysts Seth Jason, James Early, and Ron Gross. Guys, good to see you. Good to hey, see hey, you, Chris. Chris. On today's show, we'll ask the big questions. Why did Starbucks change their logo? Is Facebook really worth $50 billion? And what new gadgets are being unveiled at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas? Plus, as always, a look at the stocks on our radar. But we begin with the big macro. On Friday, the government reported that the unemployment rate dropped to 9.4%. That's a 19-month low. And the economy added 103,000 jobs in December. Ron Gross, I'll start with you. Which of those two numbers is more significant? Well, it's, it's, they're, they're both important, and they're both a mixed bag. So on the one hand, we added 100,000 jobs. That's a good thing. But on the <laughs> other hand, it's lower than expected. Uh, economists were hoping for a bigger number, certainly um, in light of the ADP number that we uh, got earlier in the week. Um, second mixed bag is the unemployment rate, unemployment rate fell, but it was largely a result of the fact that our labor force shrunk. Um, more people are getting discouraged. Uh, they're stopping looking for work, and that shrinks the labor force. That makes the unemployment rate go down. That's not a good thing. So I, I, I have to punch Ron right in his mixed bag. The, the number, <laughs> the number of the Ouch. week, the number of the week is that uh, the number of discouraged workers, the people who gave up looking for jobs, is three hundred eighty-nine thousand from la- up that much from last year, which is a thirty percent increase. That is a huge number. And if you paid attention, that's you know. That's like almost four times the number of jobs that were created month to month. That's that's pretty bad. I was hopeful after the ADP report, but isn't that uh, what I said? Huh? Didn't I say that was bad? Yeah, it's not. You should have said it was worse, Ron. No, I'm just <laughs> feeling nice. It's actually we have 1.3 million workers that are now discouraged. so discouraged yeah, that, that they stopped looking for work. But that is 400,000 worse than. I mean, that's 30% worse than it was last year. That's pretty horrible yeah, news. Yeah, agreed. James, yeah, this unemployment stuff is kind of like a sex survey. It's surprisingly hard to get an honest answer. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, I think we should actually start our own survey and just wait for these other two to come out and just pick the midpoint will probably be more accurate. And also the, the two statistics you mentioned, Chris, they come at it from different angles. The payroll number is actually a survey of employers while the unemployment number is a household survey. So you're kind of looking at the economy yeah. for, from the t- two different angles. So pick the one you like best and go with that. Agreed. Busy week for Facebook. On Monday, news broke that Goldman Sachs had engineered a $500 million investment in Facebook, putting the company's valuation at $50 billion. By the end of the week, Goldman's private memo to its investors had been leaked to the media. Some of the details about Facebook's finances. First nine months of 2010, $1.2 billion in revenue, $355 million in net income. James Early, what do, you, what do you think of those numbers? You know, Chris, it's only once a week or so that I eat humble pie on this radio show, and that's <laughs> probably because the show airs once a week. I had no idea that Facebook had made you know nearly half a million dollars last year if you, if you annualize that. And, and sure, Goldman is trying to get in, get their fees, and get out, and, and that's what Goldman does. But the real question to me is, what does Facebook look like in 10 years? And Will we look like idiots for being so skeptical now? We, yeah, we made fun of it uh, on a uh, podcast earlier this week, but we didn't have these numbers, and now we kind of are going, oh, Oh, well, well, maybe. I looked into this uh, as best I could. Facebook doesn't give out 
uh, very many numbers. They're not big on privacy. Yeah, they're big. Yeah. <laughs> they're big on their own privacy. <laughs> they're big on their yeah. own privacy. Uh, <laughs> but if what I can tell by trolling Wikipedia and following up on the links that Wikipedia provides on some of their click-through rates, at least as of a couple of years ago, Facebook's advertising business w- was much, much less efficient than Google's, generating you know far, far fewer uh, clicks per ad served. And um, but. If they're making that much money, uh, and it's nearly half a billion, I think James said million, it's nearly oh, half billion. a billion, okay, uh, either either that is improved or or there's just a lot more activity on, on Facebook uh, than, than we've guessed. I mean, I don't think anybody in this room has ever clicked an ad on Facebook. I'm not on no. Facebook. Ron Gross, Facebook. what did you make of the numbers? So, yeah, earlier in the week, I probably, I think I said uh, publicly that I wouldn't touch touch this deal um, at a $50 billion value. But after seeing some of these numbers, I'm kind of eating Ready some pie with, with James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to lay off my mixed bag. Um, so this is interesting. At a billion dollars, uh, which I've seen some analysts say uh, earnings could r- grow um, in the next year, it's, it, it perhaps isn't as pricey as we originally thought. Now, again, 50 times is, 50 times is still earnings. pricey. Yeah. But, like how um, long, and how long can it double earnings? But, and I am year. a value investor, but it is it is more interesting to me today than it was a few days ago. You're a value investor. You're also a former hedge fund manager. Um, if if you were managing a hedge fund, would you want in on this deal in the way that Goldman's uh, investors Ooh, did? Ooh, that's a toughie. That's <laughs> a toughie. I, I know this stock is going higher. The, the hedge fund manager in me knows the stock is going higher, but I don't like to invest yeah. Based on that, I like to look at companies and business models and fundamentals. Um, I would probably take a little nibble at it, um, but not put my neck out. This is going to be a greater fool's game, which is you you buy it high and try to sell it higher to the next idiot down the line. And unless something drastically changes among people like us who who just won't shut up about this company, (laughs) and are frankly the reason it's worth this, uh, everybody who's in on this IPO is going to make money hand over fist dumping shares onto the bag holders who come in late. And you say that as if it's a bad thing. (laughs) It would be good to be in early. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. We're talking through some of the big stories of the week. Guys, out in Las Vegas, the Consumer Electronics Show, the largest trade show in the world, is underway. Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer gave the opening keynote address and highlighted the company's sale of over 8 million connects in the first two months. Seth, Jason, that's that's some pretty impressive. One of them's at my sales house. Sales for a game system. One isn't of it? them's at my house. My wife bought me one for Christmas. Uh, we're putting an addition onto our living room so that I have enough space to use it. It's actually. And is that why you're doing the addition? Just <laughs> so you it's nine point four percent. You're putting an addition on your living room yeah. to do his connect. <laughs> yeah, just for the connect. Um, that we're actually not putting an addition on, but we have moved the furniture, um, <laughs> <laughs> which they advise you to do. You need a little bit of space. It's actually a, a really fun toy, and it does some pretty amazing things. Which is, you know, it can recognize you and log you in. And in the the big news in the keynote was that they had Balmer's avatar up there, his connect uh, or his. Uh, Xbox 360 avatar, and these are, you know, generally all of them. We look a lot uh, uh, more muscular. Or I was going to say his avatar looked great. Yeah, his avatar had, looked a lot better. It had more hair than, than, than Steve Bomber has in real yeah. life, and it was like thinner yeah. and more physically and pe- fit. They were hyping this thing called uh, uh, what was it called? Avatar Connect, where you'll be able to yeah. sit in a chat room with your friends. And the Connect uh, device at that point, they're hoping will track your facial movements and your arm movements, so that it'll be like you're sitting in a room talking to people. I, you know, big deal. I don't think that's. Uh, I can sit in a room and talk to people now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, but across creepy. the country, you can already. I mean, with this, with Xbox already, you can already sort of watch movies together on Netflix and this kind of mystery science theater thing where you're chatting with your friends. So actually, Microsoft is looking at taking over 
the living room or getting as big a piece of it as they can. And they're doing a very good job of it with some of these uh, with some of these products. And remember, for folks who you know like to make fun of things like uh, Windows Phone and, and all these other things, when the Xbox first came out, everybody discounted it as just Microsoft making a, a subpar product. And they kept at it, and they made one of the better products in the space, and it's paying off. So if you're stinky, you can have your avatar just go take a virtual shower. I'm hoping. Yeah. The Xbox, the, 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 the phone just got cut and paste technology we were discussing, right? Is that accurate? That, that's, that's true. Yeah. One of the yeah. things Microsoft did announce Now is, they're cooking with gas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, it Windows took Windows. Apple, it took your precious Apple three years to figure out how to do it. So, uh, uh, Guys, out at the Consumer Electronics Show, it's not just uh, tablets and smartphones. There are a, a lot of products being unveiled. Uh, Panasonic unveiled the largest TV in the world. They a, do that every year, don't they? Somebody w- does. A 152-inch plasma screen TV. Anyone w- want to guess the price tag, Ron? Uh, Forty-five thousand. Forty-five thousand. Uh, One hundred fifty thousand. Next year, you can get it at Costco for eight hundred. <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve, what do you think? One hundred fifty-two inch plasma screen, largest TV in the world. What's the price tag? Hundred K. Five hundred thousand oh, dollars. Well, they're they're always proof of concept things. You Seth, know, you'll take two for your new living room. Build an addition for that one. Yeah. I want to know what it weighs. It must weigh like five ten mother in laws. <laughs> <laughs> Not good for the ceiling. Love now. you, mom. Drop those emails to radio at fool Also on display out at CES, I grill. A wireless cooking thermometer for your iPad or iPod. <laughs> you got me. It uses me. Bluetooth to watch the temperature of the meat you're cooking. Available for only ninety nine dollars. I want stock in the iGrill company. Is what I want. And uh, th- had to include this one. Uh, something called We Me. It's spelled W H E E Me. We Me. It's a massage robot, kind of like a Roomba, for your back. Now you're uh, talking. Seventy dollars available <laughs> this summer. Uh, anyone? So I, don't, I already have. A, this, I have one of those things. You sit on it, and it has it rollers for your back. This is no. This is like a little. It's like a little car robot that you lie down, and it just r- rolls around your back and massages you. What do you think, Steve? You. I want my wife deafening. to catch me with it. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Seventy bucks it under the sheets. Sounds delightful. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up as well. All right. Coming up: auto sales, e-book sales, and surprising news from the world of retail. Stay right here. This is Motley Fool Money. Penny. Nickels. Money. You're driving me crazy. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. For investing commentary and analysis 24-7, go to the Motley Fool's website, fool.com. Chris Hill here in the studio with Seth Jason, James Early, and Ron Gross as we go through some of the headlines of the week. Qualcomm, the wireless tech company, bought chipmaker Atheros Communications for more than $3 billion dollars. Seth, Jason, you recommended shares of Atheros two years ago. How happy are you? Yeah, we made our uh, what did we we made our investors. Anybody who followed us on Atheros uh, made a bunch of money. I, I think uh, our last buy, I think, was a seventy-five percent gain over three months. We you know more than doubled this over a couple of years ago. It is a company that I was confident in for a lot of reasons. It was a low-cost producer of some uh, very nice wireless networking uh, chips as well as uh, uh, just this, the same old Ethernet chips that you get in your, your desktop computers. And the reason that Qualcomm was interested in them is that they're in a lot of the same places already, especially in the mobile market. Qualcomm, of course, is a maker of cell phone chipsets. Atheros is making uh, chipsets that connect everything, including small gaming devices, Kindle-type uh, devices, and cell phones. So, I mean, I'm holding 
holding a Samsung Focus in my hand. I don't know whose chips are in this, but it very easily could be a Qualcomm chip and an Atheros chip. Qualcomm now is sort of a one-stop shop. I think they paid too little. Uh, it, sure, it's nice to get the, the upfront payoff, but I think in a few years, this uh, Atheros would have been worth you know twice as much money. Sometimes you have to take what you get. So if you're a Qualcomm shareholder, you're happy? I've actually, I'm going to look at Qualcomm because I think they're going to do very well with this acquisition. And depending on what the company is selling for right now, that maybe you may consider going that direction. U.S. auto sales rose to the highest rate in 16 months in December, capping a year of gradual recovery for the industry. General Motors and Ford both said sales rose by around 7%. James Early, you're our resident gearhead. What did you make of the numbers? You know, Chris, I was going to say that, you know, the end times must must be nigh when GM sells more and Toyota sells less. Um, But actually, if you look under the hood here, get that? Uh, (laughs) Thanks for spelling that one out for us. Too many factors that dull the shine. Um, <laughs> see, I was I was skeptical even a few days ago, but GM is legitimately selling lots of this the Chevy Equinox, which is a crossover vehicle. It's kind of an effeminate-looking SUV that is exactly what the market wants right now. And they've learned that Good if you for can't that. make... That's what the market wants? Hey, effeminate hey, SUV. They're all effeminate. They've also learned that if you can't make Americans buy your cars, you can try the Chinese. And China has now eclipsed the U.S. as GM's largest market. So good for GM. Good for... You know, I'm, I'm really glad that as taxpayers, we've supported the ability of GM to sell cheap cars to the Chinese. That makes me proud. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, GM, uh, for shareholders, they're they're probably pretty happy because isn't GM in one of those deals where they're not paying taxes for, I don't know, the next 48 years? Something like that. Yeah, it's yeah pretty it, sad. It, it, our uh, inside value service uh, likes GM quite a bit and uh, thinks good days are ahead. Did they go that direction? Crazy. Yep. This week, USA Today's best-selling books list showed that the ebook version of the top six books on the list outsold the print version. Seth, Jason, I know you've got a Kindle. Uh, did, did this surprise you at all? Actually, it did surprise me, although I, I, I would like to see the results a couple months from now when we're in the sort of post-holiday. Uh, we're not directly in the post-holiday afterglow. Obviously, if you get one of these for Christmas, you're going to go out and fill it up with books right away and probably the best sellers. I think that eventually this is the, the way things go for good, that e-books will outsell print books simply because it's a heck of a lot more convenient to buy the, the e-book versions. And with uh, the Kindle, by all uh, possible measures, still runaway success. The Nook doing a lot better than we thought it would. We made fun of it. And Apple's iPad even selling a book or two. I think this is just the way things are going to go. In our defense, uh, the Nook is a name that's just kind of begging to be made fun of. And yeah, I, think, yeah. I think eventually the Nook does sort of disappear. The largest companies in the S&P 500 are sitting on a record $900 billion in cash, up 10% from a year ago. And two-thirds of the companies in the S&P 500 expect to pay out more in dividends this year than they did last year, all according to USA Today. James Early, you're a dividend guy. You must be tap dancing about this. You know, there's some good news here, definitely. If there's one thing CEOs love to do, Chris, it's spend cash. Studies have shown that they, they, they tend to squander money. That's why dividend policy is good, because it forces discipline. So I've got to applaud either the restraint or the paucity of spending opportunities. Either way, uh, more cash is good. Um, and, and depending on what employment numbers you use, they, they might actually start hiring again, too, which would be the ultimate vote of confidence. Yeah, I was going to say, at, at some point, I mean, it's $900 billion in cash. Isn't anyone feeling confident enough to do some hiring? Well, last year, I don't know about hiring, actually, but last year, according to some stories I read, uh, almost $900 billion was spent on acquisitions. So uh, this year, I would expect we're going to see something similar because a lot of companies cut cut costs, and they're sitting on this cash, 
and I think they're they're leery of hiring, uh, and so I think they're going to try to buy growth from companies uh, by buying companies that are selling stuff rather than kind of uh, trying to invest in capacity when we might already have overcapacity and then hire people to staff. Ron? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think M&A ac- mergers and acquisition activity picks up significantly. And uh, it's not just companies that hold cash. There's a lot of cash on the sidelines of private equity buyers. So I think we start to see a lot of financial buyers as well as strategic buyers come into the market and we see that M&A, M&A activity yeah. really ramp. Yeah. And so what does that mean for you sitting out there as a worker or an investor? Investor, just remember that in times like this where things are still kind of sketchy, it's easier for companies to buy each other, fire a few people, and, and increase profits that way than it is possibly to go out and drum up new business. So uh, so be on the lookout uh, for companies that are, are decent acquisition targets. But as an investor, if a company comes out and announces, you know, in the next six months, we expect to hire X more people, does that make you nervous or does it that actually would that would make me more likely to 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 buy the company these days because i think you would have to be nuts to, yeah. to do it's that to say grain. you were going to do it unless you had good reason and finally a tale of two retailers bj's wholesale club announced it's closing five stores while dollar general announced the company expects to open 625 stores this year ron gross what did you think of that? So t- two different stories here. <laughs> One, <laughs> two very different stories. Uh, BJ's is, is a great company, similar to Costco or Sam's Club. Um, great business model, much smaller than those companies, has a stronghold in the Metro Northeast. And they're closing five underperforming stores. They've been under heat um, from an investor, Leonard Green, um, to put themselves up for sale. So it looks to me like they're uh, really putting forward a, a reorganization of the business to make the business as profitable as they can um, to kind of uh, put that investor at bay um, and and grow the company and, and maximize shareholder value. On the other hand, Dollar General is really firing on all cylinders and uh, they're going to be opening 625 new stores and they need those 6,000 new employees um, to support those stores. A- am I the only one who's blown away by that number? I'm, I'm stunned that anyone is opening 625 stores. Well, have uh, you been to a Dollar General store? Very small, located in rural areas, often some of them kind of hard-pressed. And, uh, you know, when I was in Missouri, I can't remember if they had Dollar Generals, but they had, you know, they had Family Dollar and a lot of these competing stores. They're all they're all very similar. So, uh, you know, property or buying or renting property in these areas is cheap. They run, uh, you know, very few uh, stock units. And so, you know, 600 of these isn't the same as 600 uh, BJ's wholesale clubs. And, and remember, they, they have over 9,000 stores across 35 states. Um, there still is room, obviously, for more. It's not just 600 and done. They're going to be doing these for years to come. Uh, increasing the store base. James? You know, and I actually see Dollar General as somewhat evil, and, and this is funny but serious <laughs> at the same time. Because in a lot of these rural towns, this is the only store going, or one of the only ones. This is where people end up buying a lot of their food, and, and they don't have healthy stuff. These have Doritos, soda, you know, the canned soup, the salty, greasy stuff. And, and so with every new store, the, our nation's obesity index probably ticks up just a little you bit. You hate America. Why do you, why do you hate freedom? As a Coca-Cola shareholder, I'm outraged that you would say anything <laughs> negative about soda. And as somebody who likes PepsiCo, lay off the Doritos, will you? Coming up, we'll head to Las Vegas for an on-the-ground report from the Consumer Electronics Show. Stay right here. This is Motley Fool Money. I want some money. I don't mean nickels and dimes. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. I'm Chris Hill. This week, 120,000 people have descended upon Las Vegas for the International Consumer Electronics Show, the largest consumer technology trade show in the world. 
Sean Dubravac is a chief economist and director of research for the Consumer Electronics Association, and he joins me now. Sean, welcome. Thanks, Chris. Um, it was a year ago this month that Apple unveiled the iPad. It was a huge success. Um, you know, you could even say that 2010, to the extent that it was the year of any gadget, it was the year of the iPad. Uh, so far, are you seeing any strong candidates for the gadget of 2011? Tablets is going to continue to be a major theme. We've seen a ton of tablets uh, during the week. We expect to see more as we move into 2011. Everybody wants to be active in that space. Uh, Internet-connected TVs are also a hot category as companies reevaluate how they want to distribute content into the home. Um, and then, of course, looking at our next mobile broadband experience, looking at 4G connectivity is, is a major theme as well. Um, a year from now, if we're talking about a technology or a product that got a lot of hype but just never caught on, what do you think we're talking about? Is it 3D TV? Uh, it's tough to say. Certainly 3D TV has had a slow liftoff, but the one thing to remember about technology, and it's it's a very important feature of, of technology adoption is that it always follows an S-shaped adoption curve. Whether we're talking about consumer tech or, or tech on the enterprise side, things always start off very slow and then they ramp up very quickly. Now that S-shaped adoption curve is being compressed, so things are ramping up more quickly, but it still follows that S-shaped adoption curve. Things tend to be slow in the, in the early years. Um, that's where we are today with 3D. That's where we are with some other technologies. I was going to say that, you know, that whole notion of, of adoption speed, it seems like compared to other industries, that consumer tech companies almost don't have the luxury of being able to grow slowly. Uh, I mean, do you think that's true? Do you think there's more pressure on tech companies to just um, not only be a success, but be a success more quickly than, say, you know, something in the uh, consumer staples industry or the food industry? I definitely think that's the case because, I mean, partly due to the fact that the, the industry is so fluid. If you look at design cycles in the automotive space, you're looking at five to six years. If you look at it in the consumer tech space, you're looking at nine months. Mobile phone manufacturers, from the time they come up with the idea for the phone till the time they have it on the shelf, they want that to be nine months. Uh, so it's significantly shorter than other design cycles. and. As a result, what you're seeing is technology influencing all of these other industries. These other industries are trying to figure out how to cope with these very short design cycles and technologies. So you see it happening in automobiles where they're trying to integrate tech in a very fluid manner. You see it happening in, in other industries, airlines and other industries, where the design cycles are much longer than what you see in consumer tech. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. We're talking with Sean Dubravac from the Consumer Electronics Association. Uh, Sean, let me let me flip around a question I had asked you earlier because I had uh, asked you about something that that has the potential of being overhyped. Let's flip that around. Uh, you're at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. What's a technology or a product that's really flying under the radar that's not getting a lot of attention that you think could really catch on? So one of the big stories that I think is not being amplified to the to the degree that it, it will be impactful is the way we're seeing sensors integrated into technology. I've referred to this as the sensorization of consumer tech. 
And if you think about today's mobile phone, it has a plethora of sensors. It's got uh, a, at least one camera, if not two. It's got a touch screen. It has other, uh, you know, other sensors in there, accelerometers, gyroscopes, that are allowing third-party developers, third-party software developers to come in and add new meaning to that device so they can take advantage of the hardware and, and change it. Uh, look at Microsoft's Connect, uh, which has a variety of sensors, four microphones, three cameras, and a accelerometer, uh, and then a little bit of software that allows consumers to you know, in, get involved in, in uh, video game play like never before. You're seeing that change as well. There, Microsoft announced at CS that they're going to try to do more with the Connect. They also announced that they sold 8 million in 60 days, the fastest launching product in the history of consumer tech. Uh, you mentioned Microsoft uh, CEO Steve Ballmer in his speech uh, also really played up the whole notion of the avatar and, and had his own sort of Steve Ballmer avatar you know, up on the screen sort of mimicking his movements. Um, I, I'll be honest, as a Microsoft shareholder, uh, that frightens me a little bit. Just the whole notion that, that um, I don't know, are we all going to be walking around with our avatars shadowing us? That just, uh, that just seems like too much to me. Well, I think it, it shows the power of computing and, and where computing has gone. I think the thing to remember is that the use case scenarios and the way these things will, will actually play out in reality uh, are probably several years away. So we're still defining exactly how we'll use something like an avatar. Uh, the key is that it, it shows that the sensors have gotten good enough that they can recognize facial expressions. They can recognize the raise of an eyebrow or a smile or, or a grimace and then respond accordingly. So these sensors capturing data, capturing information, creating um, data sources that consumers can then leverage, we can start to get these computers to do things on our behalf. And I think you'll start to see that intelligence of things really, really ramp up over the next decade. The last decade was defined by cheap sensors, and we've seen those cheap sensors integrated into devices. The next step is to use that information for, uh, for things on our behalf. Be honest, Sean. We're like five years away from the matrix happening, aren't we? Like the machines are coming after us soon, aren't they? That's right. Maybe six. <laughs> You're listening to Motley Fool Money. We're talking with Sean Dubravik, chief economist for the Consumer Electronics Association. All right, Sean, before we We'll let you get out of here. We're going to wrap up with a round of buy, sell, or hold. Uh, this is something we were just talking about. It got some great early reviews and obviously some great sales. Buy, sell, or hold, Microsoft Connect. Buy. It's that good. Yeah, definitely. It is, it is that good. And it's going, to it's going to revolutionize how we interact with devices. We've seen gesture-based control uh, ramp up over the last few years. We've seen it fir start first in the video game. Uh, arena with the Wii, the PlayStation 3, and, and now the you know the Microsoft Connect uh, device for Xbox. And the next step is to start to integrate that into other solutions, into other computing devices. All right. The launch of this product was recently delayed by the parent company, buy, sell, or hold, Google TV. It's it's tough to uh, to sell anything that Google comes out because we know that they'll uh, you know they'll continue to push forward. Um, it, it's probably a short-term sell, but a long-term buy because the future of internet-connected TVs and internet-connected content is discovery, and that's 
what Google does very well. They understand that there's a lot of information out there that's dispersed and that by aggregating that information, making it easy to search, um, you can create a, a business from. And we are inundated with content. Something like 24 hours of content are uploaded to YouTube every single hour. Now, granted, a lot of that is in content we want to necessarily watch, but it just shows and highlights how much content is being uploaded to the web and made available to consumers. At some point, we need help in parsing that information, finding what we actually want, getting recommendations. And so a long-term buy on technologies that help us search and discover new content. And finally, it's the home of the Consumer Electronics Show. It's a great place for bachelor and bachelorette parties. Buy, sell, or hold Las Vegas as a family vacation spot. Uh, sell as a family vacation <laughs> spot. But, but buy Vegas, uh, you know, I would argue that, that Vegas is starting to come back, and I think that's a good sign for the, the national economy. Of course, one of the hardest-hit uh, cities in the country, yet real estate down you know, upwards of 60% across the board. Uh, I re- I've come twice a year at least to Vegas, and I remember seeing some of the properties look like ghost towns. Um, literally, the city center three years ago looked like it had been abandoned. And um, today I'm staying at one of the new properties at, at the city center. So you've seen things start to come back. You've seen things start to improve uh, in Vegas. And I think that's a good sign for the overall economy. Sean Dubrovac is the chief economist and director of research for the Consumer Electronics Association. Sean, thanks for being here. Have fun in Vegas. Thanks, Chris. Coming up, a look at Starbucks' new logo and a look at the stocks that are on our radar. This is Motley Fool Money. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill, and back in the studio with me, our trio of senior analysts, Seth Jason, James Early, and Ron Gross. Guys, time to welcome a few new stations to the Motley Fool affiliate family. Out in California, Sacramento's New Money, 105.5 FM. And in my beloved home state of Maine, in Bangor, we are now on The Pulse, 103.1 FM and 620 AM. And the great thing about those two stations in Maine, they are owned by the person who is probably Maine's most famous resident, Mr. Stephen King. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. So Motley Yay. Fool. We need to talk scary. I mean. We, we, we now have an official relationship with Stephen King. Hey, do I get a, a hotel a discount or anything in Maine? Because I'm thinking of going up there. Do, do we have any kind of deals like that? or? What do you think? Stephen King's got a You want to yeah, stay in a Stephen King hotel? Yeah. Have you, have you oh, seen The Shining? that's a great idea. <laughs> All right. One story we did not get to earlier uh, that made a lot of headlines this week uh, was Starbucks. Uh, the world's biggest coffee chain has really ticked off some loyal customers. Starbucks unveiled a new green logo that no longer includes the words Starbucks coffee. It's just a mermaid. Uh, James Early, I'll start with you. You've seen the new logo. Uh, what did you think? Chris, when you give up the words, you become just a concept, just an image. And it works for Nike, which has a very simple image. It might work for Apple. I don't know that it works for this Starbucks it image, for which Prince? is... Did it? <laughs> no, he's back being and that crazy. image was oh, not no even way. simple. I don't know what the heck that thing was. But um, so, so, yeah, I'm confused. I'm not angered by it. I'm not a Starbucks customer in the first place. 
but hey. Ron, what did you think? I, well, I think to be angry about it is uh, you have a little too much time on your hands, I perhaps. think if you noticed it, you <laughs> have too much time on your hands. <laughs> but I, I agree Starbucks with James. They're, they're looking towards international expansion. That's, that's what's going to be big going forward. They're looking to turn themselves into a, a concept and image. The Nike swoosh is the perfect example, as James said. Uh, you know, when what Wikipedia calls the siren a dangerous bird woman seductress. So how can you do... Well, you know, that. we'll get to we'll get to the siren part in Did just a minute. Does that ever make here. any sense anyway? Starbucks <laughs> is named after the 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 guy in Moby Dick, and how seductive is a so, bird woman? And so in why the was there? A, there's no mermaid in Moby. <laughs> All right, so let, I read Moby uh, Dick. Do you remember? Was there a mermaid in Moby Dick? I, I, I don't think there was. I remember a whale that killed everyone. So, so I think I think for the average person, you look at the logo and and you say, well, what is that? And most people would say, well, that's a mermaid. And yet there's a video on Starbucks website where where Howard Schultz. Uh, is there introducing the new logo? It's about ninety seconds, and he keeps referring to it as a siren. Um, and a siren is something that calls men to their deaths. Yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah, from yeah. Homer's Odyssey. Nothing speaks to coffee and a muffin like <laughs> like seductive death. But the issue is, if he does not even know his own logo, what else might he not know? You're saying. Well, if that, it's actually a mermaid, it's clearly a mermaid. You look at it, it's a mermaid. It's got a tail. I don't People know. People mistakenly think refer to 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 mermaids as, as sirens but it seems pretty clear to me he's in the wrong right you I, know what you know what? I, I'll look into the the uh, the, the the symbology to use it to okay. use horrible <laughs> to yeah. please the, do. I will look into the iconography as the art historian here I will look into the iconography of the siren and the mermaid and get back to everybody next week alright in the meantime we want you to email us radio at fool.com check out the new logo tell us what you think mermaid siren or just what you think of it in general uh, I want to go back to something Ron said earlier where you were talking about the anger uh, that people have. Um, we saw this last year with the Gap. Uh, Gap changed their logo, and people were outraged, and, and Gap was so spooked by it that they changed back to their original sort of classic blue and white Gap logo. People, specifically Americans, love their brands. Don't mess with them. As a Starbucks shareholder, I, I have to hit this one point of fear, which is in that video I mentioned, Howard Schultz says that changing the logo, and I'm, I'm quoting directly here, gives us the freedom and flexibility to think beyond coffee. And frankly, that just scares the hell out of yeah, me. Yeah, because they did it before with their dumb furniture and, and magazine stuff. or whatever, Yeah, right? they, they had a, in the like late 90s. Keelan, they, they don't do well when they think beyond coffee. Yeah, they, with, with Joe Magazine, and they, they came out and said, we're going to be a portal, Starbucks.com, and, and oh. we're going to sell luxury furniture. And the stock dropped about 30% in one day. Um, Howard needs to quit like sniffing himself and, and enjoying it. <laughs> he he's the one who started all. Remember, we were here at the Motley Fool. One of the inter, one of the CEOs who replaced him came in and he was executing. He was executing Howard's vision. He was, what was opening that guy's stores name? like crazy. He was the Jim he, Donald. Jim Donald, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so he did what he did what the board told him to. It didn't work out, and that included stupid stuff like movies and, and this huge expansion. And when it didn't work out, he was a sacrificial lamb. And Howard came back, and everyone said, "Oh, here's the savior." I, I predict they install a CEO so that it, a different CEO so that if this stuff doesn't work out, they have somebody to kill again. This stuff being the, the logo. Just a month ago that they told their baristas to slow down, I believe. Yeah. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's right. Yes. Somebody's being set up here. Absolutely. All right. Time to get to the stocks that are on our radar. Ron Gross, I will start with you. Ooh, okay. I've got a speculative one for you okay. this week. It's a company called China Green Agriculture, ticker CGA. It's a company we actually own in the Million Dollar Portfolio Service, and it is also a recommendation in our Global Gain Service. Mm -hmm. This is a rural Chinese company. It's an emerging market company. Um, they're a fertilizer manufacturer, and they've become 
under an onslaught of criticism by analysts and short sellers, um, basically claiming that this company is a massive fraud. Uh, we um, have visited the company. When I say we, I mean Tim Hansen of our Global Gain Service. Uh, they have, we have a relationship with management. We're sticking with the company. We think that the company uh, is not the fraud that the short sellers are claiming. We're con- going to continue to do significantly more work, however, because this type of um, accusation demands more work. Um, but in, we only own a small part. If anybody out there is interested in the company, I would Sounds also pretty say... pretty appealing already. Yeah. <laughs> I would <laughs> also say a small piece would be warranted, as with most emerging market companies. If this company is a, a company like we think it is, we think it has tremendous potential and, and feeds into the agricultural uh, play in China. Um, but there are these short seller acu- accusations out there. And the I, accusations I, are that they're not actually conducting any business. Uh, I don't think it's, it's not. It's <laughs> the accusations are that they're conducting less business less. than they're reporting. I, I used to I used to dig around to find scams, uh, and this one, if I had found this one and my colleagues weren't high on it, this one would have been high on my list to uh, to talk about. I would stay away. Steve Broido, uh, you, you own shares of China Green Agriculture, don't you? Yes, I bought some earlier in this week. Unfortunately, before the stock plummeted around twenty percent. <laughs> So, how how you feeling? Uh, you know, it, it was a speculative sort of thing. Uh, I'm hoping for the best, but if, if you liked it at ten, you'll love it at eight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James Early, the stock on your radar. Uh, this a week. little more pedestrian. Uh, Ship Finance SFL is the ticker. This is a Bermuda-based uh, tanker and vessel company or a ship company, basically. So not not too much more pedestrian. Still risky. Six point seven percent yield. Nice yield. About sixty vessels. Five star stock in our Caps database. Well regarded management. Uh, well regarded company. If the economy takes back off and keeps growing this will be one to be in ship finance Seth Jason back to the well with Infinera I know I know Ron likes this company they own it over at uh, yes, million dollar do. portfolio we own it at hidden gems uh, it came out of uh, Rule Breakers, I think, one of our other services. Uh, if you're disappointed that your Athero shares were taken away, Infinera operates not in exactly the same space, but it operates uh, based on the same long-term kind of market thesis, which is that we need lots more bandwidth because we're connecting all these devices together. And what Infinera does is provide what we think is a better way for large amounts of that information to move from one place to another from uh, sort of bandwidth service providers like you know the people we get our internet from. Uh, right now, the stock has is bounced back a little from where it was a month or so ago when it got really cheap because uh, because of the economy and because of the way the technol the technology cycle is working right now. Some of their revenues uh, probably aren't coming next year, but the year after. It's risky, but uh, INFN, I think it's going to be a winner. Yeah, I had the opportunity to actually sit down with them in San Francisco a month and a half ago or so. Good, uh, good people, um, really got a nice understanding of the business. Um, the stock got smacked, uh, as Seth said, due to fourth quarter being uh, tough to kind of uh, predict, uh, and that happens with these cycles. Uh, but we, th- we like this as a long-term uh, technology hold. Oh, that's nice. The company sent you out to San Francisco, huh? I was there um, for, <laughs> Set you up a, in a cushy hotel? for yeah. our Duke Street member conference. Oh, nice. Yes. I, maybe we need a Motley Fool Money conference. All right, Seth Jason, James Early, Ron Gross. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thanks to our special guest this week, Sean Dubrovac from the Consumer Electronics Association. Our engineers are Steve Broido and Gail Año Nuevo. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 